Hey guys, you're listening to episode number six of the Messy Table Podcast, where life isn't always perfect, but God is doing important work. If you're new here, I'm Jen Jewell, hosting from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my goal is simply to use an ordinary space like that of a messy table to bring us all together so that we might encourage each other through real life and remember that God is right here with us, even in the mess. Well, I am super excited for you to hear from my guest today. Casey Frazier is the foundation coordinator for our local children's hospital. She's also my worship pastor's wife at Life Church and the mom of two beautiful little girls. But more than that, she's a woman of God who doesn't shrink back from life's storms, and she's my good friend. Well, I recently heard someone say that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. I'm sure you've heard that a time or two. And I just want to take a second to set the record straight. It's actually way worse than that. We are all, in fact, a bunch of undeserving people in desperate need of God's grace. And what's crazy is that He willingly offers it to us. So today, Casey is going to bravely open up and share some of the messy inner workings of a difficult chapter in their family's life, where her husband actually confessed his secret addiction to alcohol, got help, walked through the healing process, and now got his turn, this into a footnote, and is rewriting the rest of their story. It's not easy to share, as you can imagine, but all the glory belongs to him. And if you're currently trapped or stuck in a situation and you feel like quitting, giving up, or running the other way, um, we are just praying specifically that you won't just hear our human words, but that you'll allow God to speak to your heart in a very real way. Hey, Casey. Hey. Thanks for coming over. And Thanks for having me. Chatting with me today. Anytime. So let's kick this thing off with an introduction. I gave everybody the basics, but if you could just give everybody a little peek into your world. About me? Yes. Um, cool. So I'm Casey. K-A-C-I-E, by the way, which is not normal. Not E-Y. Not, no, no E-Ys. <laughs> no. I-E is very important. So um, Casey Frazier, I, um, gosh, I'm a mom of two girls, heaven forbid, I Prayed for boys. I told Jesus a long time ago. <laughs> of course you did. I only want boys, and he gave me two girls, and I, of course, wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so two girls, six and one, intentional five-year gap. Love it. Built-in babysitter. Um, wife to musician, worship pastor, um, which is great because I am so organized and <laughs> control-oriented, and Brandon's like, what? So, you know, we go well Let's together. Let's create. Let's make magic. And I'm like, there needs to be a plan. You so guys complement each we, other well. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah. We, <laughs> yes. The polar opposite spouse. Um, I work full time. I support the Children's Hospital Foundation at St. Francis. So that's a lot of fun. I to do donor relationships and community development, all supporting our local children's hospital, which is great. It's so cool. Yeah. And of course, Life Church. And you sing I do. with your husband. Are you even going to mention that? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. You have an amazing, beautiful... And actually, someone recently told me that you have an angelic voice. That's a little over But it's top. like powerful angelic. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a mix. That's good. So our lives came together um, in, let's see, we launched... The Broken Arrow Campus in 2012, but there was like... There was before that. A year holding period. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or something. Correct. Something like that. We were offered the Broken Arrow job 
exactly one year before the campus launched. That's so February 2011, and then it launched February 2012. It was worth the wait, though. It was. So we got to launch the Broken Arrow Campus True together, story. and it was it was just so fun. It was amazing. Which has now kind of led into not our doing, but God's doing, um, mm-hmm. into there being a second. Broken Arrow Campus, which is the South Broken Arrow Campus, yeah. which we, after a unexpected turn of events, we are back together again at Reunited. the South Broken Arrow Campus, and it's so fun. But before, long before I knew you, you actually grew up with my husband, which I is so did. weird. There's um, pictures of you guys, like at your <laughs> second birthday, yep. and um, your parents were friends, and yeah, one of my childhood birthday parties took place at his parents' house. <laughs> Or something like that. Maybe it was my brother. I don't remember. It's all a blur. But yeah, our childhoods overlap. We go back so to like funny. 1984 or something. <laughs> I love it. So long ago. <laughs> so Derek always tells some story. I think of it's you his favorite story. Just, you know, being so mean. I was. I was <laughs> a hateful child. Yeah, he likes to tell a story when we were in um, kids' choir together. He doesn't remember this, but it was called The Sweethearts. He could, yeah, there was the sweetheart. The sweetheart. Yeah, okay. led by Miss Carol. Miss Carol was our choir director, and we, I guess, were on the the front stairs, the sanctuary, very large sanctuary that had stairs leading up. And I guess because I was shorter, you know, Derek's tall, he was behind me. And apparently, as he tells it, I have no memory of this. <laughs> he sure. I, maybe I do a little bit. <laughs> no, he says that I stopped choir and said, Miss Carol. I cannot sing because Derek is singing so badly behind me <laughs> or something to that effect. I'm, I'm a very bold woman now, but I would never. I was a very, uh-huh. very soft-spoken, kind, <laughs> obedient, angelic, I think was the word. I was a very, <laughs> right. an angelic child. I would have never. But I like to think You were that passionate, though, because I you was. felt like he was disrupting We were world. not being excellent, and excellence <laughs> was one of my core values as a five-year-old. <laughs> so, but I like to think that mm. I enabled him to pursue his future career. There you go. Of his public calling. speaking and pastoralness. <laughs> and not If singing. he had thought incorrectly that he was to be a singer, we would not have our campus pastor that we have today. There you go. Yeah. yeah the truth is, is that you guys have amazing voices uh-huh. and you're so gifted in that way. And both of us are <laughs> awful. And so yeah. in the car or like in the shower, when we're really trying to sing beautifully, it's still, man, it's bad. That's what the Bible calls a really joyful bad. noise. Yeah. We make a joyful noise. We all make joyful noises. To the Lord, yeah. Some are just on pitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one of our actual core values at Life Church is we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Um, yeah, man. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. So we just love to think outside of the box, um, to engage our church and communities, ultimately to hear the Word of God. But they can't hear the truth if they never come through the doors. So one great example of this is the current series we're in called Playlist, where our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, takes a popular song and builds a biblical message around it. And your husband, who's also my worship pastor, mm. Brandon Frazier, recorded the first song for Easter weekend, um, which was a rendition of Million Reasons by Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Lady Gaga in church on Easter. Who Who would have ever knew? said that sentence? <laughs> and I know um, that can sound a little bit crazy, um, but that's part of 
who we are. But it is crazy, but that's that core value. That's right. Anything short of sin, it's awesome. That's exactly right. And so he got to share a piece of his story, which is kind of funny because Casey and I already had this plan for her to come and talk Mm -hmm. kind of about their story on this podcast at the messy table before he was even asked to record that song Mm -hmm. for Easter, um, which is just crazy how God works in the little details Mm -hmm. of timing. So this is your story too. Mm -hmm. And so we just, I would love for you to share a little bit of that. Well, what's interesting is when we were walking through the season, then I'll explain part of when I was first, like my world was just rocked and I kept thinking to myself, this isn't supposed to be my story. This is not my story. This is not how this is supposed to go. Mm. And then over time, of course, that changed to where I am now, which is dang straight, this is my story. Mm -hmm. And there's not just unrest or pain or uncertainty. There is hope and healing and restoration. And that's my story, not the pain and the uncertainty, but the hope and restoration. So working backwards, (laughs) um, basically the bottom line is Brandon, husband, worship pastor, father, um, came to me and others in our life and, um, admitted to having a very serious, um, addiction to alcohol, like very serious. And I had no idea. And I kind of pride myself on being a good judge of character and you are, you're very discerning, right? Discerning is a, is a good word. I, I don't, it doesn't take me long to form an opinion about things that are right or wrong. Everything in my life is very black and white. Mm Mm-hmm. I know we live in the gray area, but I see things Mm -hmm. as right or wrong, black or white. And this took me so off guard. I've never felt more deceived. Mm -hmm. Um, I think betrayed is a a pretty accurate way of how I felt. Because I knew that I knew that I knew who my husband was. And all of a sudden, in one day, he's telling me, I'm not that at all. So, (laughs) um, in about two days my whole world flipped upside down. I didn't recognize myself, let alone him or what our, our life looked like or what it was going to look like. And anyway, we came to, um, the church and laid everything out. And we had this huge come to Jesus meeting. Um, I know where we were sitting. I know everything and just knew that nothing was going to be the same again. But Brandon, luckily with the support of the people that love us the most, got help um, clinically first, um, spiritual help, all kinds of support emotionally. Um, gosh, I mean, any way that you can explain, we had endless support from people who just love us and knew that this is not how the story ends. Mm -hmm. And it might be a chapter in that book, but it's not the whole story. Right. And a big part of that, which I know that he had hid a lot from you and from people that he loved. But a huge part of the story is that he came forward and, and was brave enough to put it out there. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting, he'll tell you now is like the, even that morning he said, I felt completely in control. I did not think I had a problem Mm. that very morning. Wow. I knew I, I knew I was drinking too much. I knew that, but I would have never said I need help. This is controlling my life. This is going to destroy me until I was just right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So just a few hours difference going of that lie, just that perpetual lie of I've got this. This is fine. I'm still in control. This Mm -hmm. isn't taking over me. I've I've got this handled. And I'm going, no, I don't. I don't. I need help. And I'm willing (laughs) to say that. And I'm going to be humble enough and broken enough to say I I can't. 
Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. I need help. And that's what he got. He got help and support. He actually checked himself in to rehab. To rehab. True to, story. To rehab. <laughs> like, which he didn't have to do. No. Um, and he was clearly off of um, the platform of stage for a he, good yeah. while. Yeah. And he yeah. stepped down. Um, well, <laughs> that wasn't really a choice. Like, you're in rehab. I sure. guess you can't really lead worship from rehab. <laughs> but he didn't have... It was no. a choice to check himself into yeah. rehab and say, once he realized... I do have an issue and I'm about to destroy my life. I'm going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And he he talked about this really openly, but we, in the worst of the worst, I will never forget, I was on our back porch and I already knew, I was wrong luckily, but I knew that we had just lost everything. Our relationship with the church, our relationship with each other. I knew that, like, I'm such a problem solver, and my mind instantly went to, well, crap, now I have to find a lawyer, and I have to file divorce papers, and, like, that's just going to be a hassle, and where, how are we going to work that out, and, gosh, that's going to be expensive, like, I instantly went to that, because mm-hmm. I knew that that's, that's the only possible outcome. I couldn't yet see through to the other side, but that was still part of the destruction, you know, and... And a lot of people feel that way, I think probably people that are listening right now, whether it's with a similar situation with alcohol or maybe it's an affair or maybe it's um, some kind of secret Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a gambling addiction or maybe it's just, there's all kinds of issues Mm -hmm. that we deal with. Um, And a lot of people probably feel in that place. Like there is no other side. There is no other way. This is it. You took all of my options away. Mm -hmm. Alcohol took all of my options away. And that's, I couldn't see past that in those first few days. Mm-hmm. But to your point, he did go get help voluntarily, mm-hmm. um, full-blown checked into rehab and stayed as long as he needed mm-hmm. to come back to, to be a husband and a father and the pastor that God called him to be and to say, this is, this is different. From this day forward, mm-hmm. I'm a different dude. And good grief, he is. Mm-hmm. God's healing was... And is continuously unbelievable. Just he's all over, his hand is all over our family and doing some really, really cool things through what could have been life-altering and nothing that would bring glory to God. You know, what the enemy completely intended for death and destruction, God is turning into hope and healing and restoration. Right, so he ended up getting to keep his job. He did keep his job. (laughs) To your surprise. (laughs) To my surprise, um, yes. Obviously, with a lot of um, <laughs> steps in the middle of and course, accountability right. and and all of that, but yeah, it sounds very easy, and we just glossed right over. And then, but it wasn't. There were no. a lot of like you say. I love how you say that it's good to not gloss over the messy parts. No, and no, obviously, no. in this quick um, little podcast that yeah. we're doing, we kind of have to hit the high hit the high notes. But sure. but there, yeah, there was a lot of mess in between there. So going to rehab sounds nice, and he comes out and everything's fine. That's not the story. We we did. He came out of rehab, and then we have done months and months of intense counseling, intense and intentional accountabilities, plural. Right. <laughs> we went away, like across the country, to a very intense marriage retreat. Um, I remember your husband asking me that day that everything came out, "Are you willing to work on on this?" And because that's a, an important question. Yeah, absolutely. To know. I said I can't really answer that right now sobriety is my first concern and then let's revisit that and of course we did mm-hmm. and um once thank god he was in a healthier place physically 
than emotionally and relationally. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of hard work, and I'm so thankful. And he and I just talked about this the other day when, I think when couples, I don't know why I feel like this is important, but when you're facing a potential breakup moment, like a life-altering, I want a divorce moment, what's crazy to me is you think, I'm going to start over, and like in my case, I'm just I'm the woman, so what do I think is going to happen that the version of my husband that I wish he were is just going to drop out of the sky and I'm going to get remarried and everything's going to be perfect? No, that's so foolish. And then you have all kinds of other baggage you have to deal with. Right, because everyone has something to work on. We all have baggage, sure. So my replacement husband is still going to need work, (laughs) just like I need work. But the better thing is that, and thank God, that for whatever reason, it is all Jesus. We stayed together, obviously. Mm -hmm. And now the version of my husband is beyond better than what any replacement could have ever been because that was not God's design. And because he is a better version of himself, I believe that I am becoming a better version of myself. So our marriage is now what I never thought it could have Mm -hmm. been even before this tragedy. And you think you've got a good marriage or you're at least, you know, we're good. We're fine. We're, we're pretty decent Mm -hmm. where we are now. I would have never imagined as possible and I look back and go, but gosh, we almost lost everything. How mm-hmm. are we even better than before? It's, that is all God. And there's something so freeing, I can only imagine, about coming to a point of having no more secret. Yeah. Like, oh, I am word. not hiding anything. No. And I'm just that repentance and Absolutely. confession, you know, that we hear about all throughout Scripture is so... I mean, that's really the key. Yeah. It's not just letting people know where you are, but also deciding... I hate this right. and I have to run from it. Well, secrets and lies are physically like a prison. Right. You're only, you're locking yourself behind these bars and you're holding the key yourself. Like, <laughs> Good point. You're, it's, it's so foolish. Mm-hmm. You have locked yourself in a prison by keeping secrets and lies. Right. All you have to do is start telling the truth. Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple, but it really is so simple. Mm. And it's amazing when you tell the truth, you'll be surprised at how many people go, Okay, great. How can I help you heal? Mm-hmm. Not how dare you and what were you thinking, but great. How can I be a part of your recovery? Mm-hmm. Which brings up just a great point and an even broader topic of when Christians sin because yeah. we all do. And I think that sometimes we have this weird illusion that whenever we're following Christ, whenever we are committed to him, that it's some magic bullet or magic pill that, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're never going to struggle again. And that's just not accurate. Obviously, there's a lot of people throughout the Bible that um, Mm. sinned and God still used. David had an affair. Moses killed a man. (laughs) Rahab was a prostitute. Peter denied Jesus even after he had witnessed all the miracles. Repeatedly. (laughs) (laughs) Repeatedly. Um, Thomas doubted. Paul persecuted Christians until he, well, became one. Yeah. And so let's talk about sin for a second. Obviously, there's these big, you know, out in the open sins, kind of like how, obviously, with your story, it's kind of been... It's a big one. Brought to the surface. And I think that sometimes that can deceive those who not even intentionally try to feel better than someone else. Sure. But, oh, well, I do, I'm not dealing with well, that. Well, at least I don't have an right. alcohol problem. At least I'm not cheating on my wife. Right. But even the prettier sins right. can be just as damaging. And there's things like pride or control. Mm. Um, I think in this society in America, we can so I can so easily worship comfort ah. and security. And, you know, there's legalism. 
There's putting our hope into what we do instead of our relationship with Jesus. There's holding on to religion mm-hmm. instead of our relationship with God. Um, and so there's so many things, but Romans 3.10 says no one is righteous, not even one. And so mm-hmm. I think the the baseline that we all have to come to is that we're all screwed up, mm-hmm. but then even in our screwiness, <laughs> yes, God still wants to use us. Yeah. But there is that point where we have to say, God, I want you to use me and I want to repent of whatever it is. And I want to run towards you and hold nothing back. That makes, I think that's such a big thing that, you know, you don't have to have a headline worthy sin for God to use you and think, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just me. And you know, I do the best I can Mm -hmm. every single day. We all sin or even aiming for perfection, you know, Mm. that can be sinful whenever we're trying. I mean, let's be honest, Satan fell from heaven because he was trying to be God. And sometimes I'm trying to be God because sometimes as much as I hate to admit it, I want to be awesome and I want to have all the answers and I want to have it all together. Right. And that is sinful. Absolutely. I'm super guilty of that. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a big piece that I learned when we were still healing and still working on our marriage, um, there's a really, really cool, and it's so, so simple, and it feels almost silly about how simple it is, but when we were at this retreat, it was basically three and a half days of sun up till sundown, intense marriage therapy. By hours, it would be the equivalent of one full year wow. of individual or about six months of intense marriage. Like trying to take a sip out of a fire hose. Oh, it was. I mean, I came home emotionally exhausted, but it was so good, and What's cool is I, cool now, but I really thought that we were going, of course, this retreat because my husband is an addict or recovering addict. Of course, I didn't think that I was going because I had any problems, but what I loved is as soon as we got there, it was definitely a couple's retreat. And what I learned is something that I want to share with you is the pain peace cycle. So what I learned really, really simple, and it took three days to get to this simple concept, but basically when we are in pain and pain doesn't mean I'm hurting, it's when I'm feeling anything that's out of my peace, so for lack of a better word, my pain, how do I feel? And it took me three days to figure out when I'm in pain, quote unquote, what do I feel? What I learned about myself, which is different for everyone, I learned I feel insecure. Not insecure in like how I look or what I, you know, how people perceive me, but almost more like my foundation, like the very ground I walk on could, could fall out at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like I feel unsteady. But for me, insecure was when I'm in pain, I feel insecure. I feel unstable or Mm -hmm. chaos or, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? I'm out of control. So that's my pain. What Mm -hmm. I'm feeling is insecure. So what do I normally do? Well, what I normally do is try to overcompensate by taking control. Mm -hmm. I get in the driver's seat. I go, okay, my husband is an alcoholic. I don't know how to fix that, so I'm going to take charge of this. I'm going to take care of the house. I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to take care of my job. I'm going to take care of everything because I'm, I'm, I'm needing control, so mm-hmm. I take control. Mm-hmm. However, when I'm in my peace, it is the opposite of when, my, when I'm in my pain. So when I'm in peace, I, it's not, it may not be what feels right, but what I have to tell myself is, you're right, I'm not in control, but guess what? God's in control. And I am right in his arms and his plan. So if I know that, even if it doesn't feel right right now, if, if I tell myself that over and over, it becomes true. Mm-hmm. There's power in the spoken word. So when I feel out of control, I say no. 
I may not be in control, but God's in control and I am perfect in his arms and in his plan. Mm -hmm. So if I know that, what am I going to do differently? Instead of overcompensating with control, I'm going to take a big deep breath and I'm going to rest in the Lord and I'm going to be loving and nurturing in preparation for others to be loving and nurturing to me. Mm -hmm. When I'm in my chaos, I'm prepared for isolation and um, betrayal and lies, but that's because I'm feeling pain. Sure. When I'm feeling peace, I'm prepared for love and nurture because that's that's the truth. The truth is God loves me. He's got a plan. I'm safe. I am secure. Mm-hmm. I'm not off the charts. The, the bottom's not going to fall out. God's got this. And even though he didn't cause it, he can use it. He can use it. And he does use it. And that's where, for me, secure has become my one word mantra for the year. Mm -hmm. Not, I need to feel secure. I need to look good, feel good. It's, I need to feel safe because I am safe. And for me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at trusting him with at least part of my heart. Part of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even most. But it's hard for me to trust him with all my heart. Mm-hmm. Those hard places. Absolutely. Because if I am in control, I'm kind of trusting God, but I'm also trusting myself because I can do this. I've got this. I can take care of it. That's not biblical. Instead, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because mm-hmm. I've got all the answers, right? I don't need the Lord. I've got, I've got this covered. False. <laughs> with all your understanding, in all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. And I love that last part. I don't have to make my path straight. And that's what I was trying to do for years when mm-hmm. I felt disconnected from Brandon, knowing that there's something under the surface. Not even I didn't even yet know what it was, but something is pulling him away. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to make the path straight. I need to take control. I need to fix this when I'm really just doing more harm than good. I wasn't trusting the Lord to make my path straight because so I wasn't leaning on his control. It's, it's God's in control, mm-hmm. not me. And you still had a part in that. I think that's what we tend to forget is that even when he's in control, it doesn't mean that he's asking you to just sit there. No. Like if you hadn't had a willingness to mm-hmm. step into the pain yeah. and to honestly forgive and to say, God, what do you want to do with this and with us? Then Brandon's story, your story would look totally different. It just ends, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no hope in that. There's no healing. And gosh, I love So we have parts to play within, mm-hmm. within this. And you have to reach, you don't just sit, mm-hmm. you know, you reach out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's there. And I, I remember, I don't remember who said this, but I think when I was in youth group a million years ago, I remember vividly somebody saying, God will take the 99 steps. You just have to take one. Mm-hmm. But you do have to take one. You do. <laughs> you can't just sit there and let God just, oh, I'll fix it for you. Mm-hmm. He's ready to, but you have to participate. And that may be confession of sin or asking for help or being a little humble, saying, I just don't have all the answers. Hear God. Mm-hmm. And that may mean you have to take 99 steps or just one or anywhere in between, but you've got to participate just a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Absolutely. amazing what he'll do for that. So speaking of reaching to Jesus, there's a story that has always been really important to me, which now knowing Brandon and I's story is even more fitting. I love that God just keeps doing that. He just keeps kind of like coming full circle with, mm-hmm. with things, even the timing of, of today. But um, it's the woman with the issue of, the, of blood in Matthew 12. What I love is that she was bleeding, excuse me, Matthew 9. She had this issue for 12 years. 
I do not have any chronic illnesses, but I cannot imagine either being in pain or bleeding, whatever that meant in that day and age for 12 years. I'd lose my mind. <laughs> I would just go crazy. But anyway, she bled for 12 years. And according to the law at that time, she should have been isolated. Like it was illegal for her to be around people. But when she knew that Jesus was coming through her town, back to our core value, anything short of sin, she did anything short of sin to just reach out to Jesus. So I picture, you know, dozens and dozens of people, mm-hmm. hundreds maybe, just around Jesus. And she's crawling on the ground, as some of the gospels say, like anything she can do to just touch his clothes. She didn't have to talk to him. She knew in her heart, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to look into his eyes. If I can touch the hem of his garment, that kind of faith is insane. And I don't think I've ever had that much faith. Mm -hmm. I love this woman. But um, Judah Smith wrote um, a book called Jesus Is, and there's a chunk from this woman that he says, and I'm going to read exactly what he says so I don't mess it up because it's perfect as he (laughs) says it. But he says, Matthew 9.22 starts with some of the most profound theological words I've ever read in the New Testament. It says, then Jesus turned around. Do you know why the woman did not instantly reveal herself? Because she is convinced Jesus will be upset. He'll reject me. He'll take me according to the law. How many Christians today are unwilling to return again whether it's to church or God's presence, because they are convinced there will be judgment, there will be rejection, there will be condemnation, when in fact the opposite is true. Because of His grace and your small measure of faith, God is adamant and passionate about revealing His acceptance and approval of you. And that blows my mind. And I love that He says, because of your small measure of faith. To me, her faith was huge, but she knew all I have to do is something really small mm-hmm. and God will do the rest of it. So all she had to do was show up and just touch, not even him, a piece of his clothes. And God, Jesus, turned around. Mm-hmm. He stopped everything he was doing for her. Mm-hmm. And he stopped everything he was doing to turn around to see me and you and everyone I've ever met. He will stop everything to turn around and meet you where you are with no rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, that same series Judah talks about the, the prostitute that they brought to Jesus and all of these religious leaders, even their physical posture, they were standing looking down at this woman that they'd thrown into the dirt. And he says, even Jesus's posture, he got down in the dirt with her. I love to think that he got down in the sin with her, mm-hmm. not accepting the sin, but accepting the sinner. He got in the That's dirt right. with her. Not saying what you're doing is okay, but you are okay, and I love you. That's one of my favorite stories, and I love how he says, "Who condemns you?" And you yeah, know, where where are your accusers? They, they had all left. Where'd they go? And he says, um, "Neither do I condemn you, yeah. but go and go sin, and no, sin more. no more." So there's two parts to that. You know, he doesn't just say, "Oh yeah, whatever you do, no big deal." Right. Um, and but part of the reason that he even gives us these blueprints Mm. is for our joy because I bet you felt pretty miserable, obviously, as you're describing whenever you guys were in the muck of this, Mm -hmm. but he says, I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's, to me, that's the biggest lie of the enemy is number one, you're alone. Number one, you are unforgivable. And number three, there is nothing in the future that you will be able to come back from. Like there's no, there's no story. 
this is it. This is the end of the road. Right. And that those are all just lies. You're never alone. Mm-hmm. There absolutely is forgiveness and con- and healing from that condemnation. And there's a, there's a future. There's hope. But again, you just have to take a step. And you have to stop the lies. Just be transparent. It's amazing when people say, you know, the truth will set you free. Like, right. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. I think we just expect that when I tell, oh my gosh, <clears throat> if they knew the truth, they wouldn't look at me the same. Or, oh gosh, if they knew the truth, you know, they're just, it's just, everything's going to be different. Right. They're just going to judge me and then they're going to know that I'm this awful person. Hey, guess what? We're all awful we're people. All, yeah. <laughs> like, we're all Spoiler not Spoiler alert. Right. Exactly. Well, and I love that story of the woman with the blood um, because... Jesus turned around, but you know what caused him to turn around? It was her having the faith Mm -hmm. to, like you said, take that next step to maybe crawl through the dirt, to get to him whatever it cost. And I think that there's probably people listening right now that feel stuck Mm -hmm. in whatever it is they're stuck in. And, you know, I know Casey and I both would just encourage you to whatever you do, just look for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Try to get to him because mm-hmm. he's there. And he, in often cases, he's the only thing that is going to fix the problem, no matter how big or how small it is. It doesn't have to be an overwhelming addiction or a failed marriage. It could be something so small mm-hmm. that for you is huge. Like Casey said, it might just be a small thing. You know, maybe you are a new mom and your baby won't stop crying and you Been are in, <laughs> and you're in this whole new world of just diapers and feedings and you can't even shower or sleep. Brush and, your teeth. Yes. <laughs> For days. And maybe you feel kind of trapped or just alone. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you are um, struggling with finances, I think is a, is a big piece for a lot of folks right now, mm-hmm. are economics are crazy, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't know where the next bill is going to come from. Or maybe you, I think the Lord's put on your heart, I want to give, but gosh, how am I going to possibly do that? Mm-hmm. Comparing yourself to other, well, they've got it so together. They've got the nice house, the nice car. I just have this. All right, Jesus, show me ways that I can be more faithful with my finances. And then the Lord blessing you through that. It doesn't matter. Um, or maybe, you know, there's so many things going on in the world today. There's wars. And I mean, every time you turn on the news, there's another Another shooting awful thing that's gone on or another, someone's been raped or there's sex trafficking. And it just, I mean, I know it can just rip my heart open and I feel like, what can I even, what can I do? What can I even do? Yeah. How can I be a part of the solution? It's so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But I think that each of us in our own little circles in our own little mm-hmm. tiny area mm-hmm. of the world on the map, mm-hmm. you know, we can look for Jesus right where we are. And mm-hmm. that's not the cheesy answer. That's really, we can, we can find, um, the light. We can find the joy. We can find the hope. We can find ways to incorporate, incorporate, um, his redeeming life well, into simple, our world. That's a simple question of Jesus. How can you use me? Mm-hmm. And it may be through something huge. But it may be through something that feels small to you. And it might start small, but then if you give it 100% to Jesus, he's going to make something stinking huge out of it. Absolutely. You know, it makes me think of, so we just, like I said, are in this series called Playlist and Brandon did his rendition of um, Million Reasons. And what's so cool is that, you know, he was asked to share his story and asked if he wanted to record this. And as of today, when we're recording this, I think like half a million people viewed it and um, you guys 
I have been flooded in your Mm -hmm. inboxes with Mm -hmm. just story after story after story. And you can probably speak more into that. But, you know, I mean, he definitely did not plan any of that. And it was probably a little maybe even embarrassing. Like, all right, people are going to know. But I think (laughs) just taking that step to say, you know what, here I am with all my issues, with all my stuff. And God, I know that you, I know your character. I know you're trustworthy. And I know that you are a God who redeems and restores. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put this out there. I mean, we've talked to our church about it, our location at our church. And it's like, oh, um, Easter Sunday? Okay. (laughs) But just trusting, exactly to your point, just trusting, all right, Lord, here's here's my small measure of faith placed directly in your plan. Exactly. And you have turned this story around and just blessed us in unimaginable ways when we've just said, all right, it's, it's your story, God. It's, it happened to us, but it's your story and your hand was on this all along. You knew the outcome before it even started. So, okay, here you go. Let our inboxes get flooded with these stories of brokenness and pain, but then have this awesome opportunity to say, been there, girlfriend, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but here's the other part of the story. Here's the other side that I didn't see at the beginning on my back porch. (laughs) And didn't think that it was possible. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's hope and healing and restoration. Just reach out, reach out no matter what the struggle is, no matter how big or how small you can't compare it to someone else's struggle. It's your struggle or your pain or your, um, your unrest, whatever that is, reach out, lay it at the feet of Jesus, look for support. We are not designed to do this by ourselves. Sin lives best in the darkness, and that darkness is isolation. Mm-hmm. You are not on an island. We are not designed to do life alone. When you step out, reach for someone's hand and say, here's where I'm at, and it's not good, but mm-hmm. I want to I want to lay it at Jesus' feet, and I want this to be his story, not mine. Mm-hmm. That's the best place to start. And nothing is wasted. Nothing. nothing. No. And when it's not about us and it's all about him, and that's actually been Brandon's biggest fear as this has blown up, like literally gone viral. So I hope, I hope, I hope that this doesn't look like this is about me. If this brings any glory to me, this is all for, this is all ruined. It has to be about Jesus. And that's for all of us because truthfully, I think we all can try to be glory stealers. Of course. I think it's a little bit just in our nature. It is. Oh, absolutely. It's in our nature. But I think anytime that we can turn the story back to God, turn it back to Jesus. In that, heaven truly does crash into earth. Yeah, absolutely. We're just crazy blown away to be this teeny tiny part of this really cool story. Mm-hmm. And it is our story. It when is. at first it was, I can't, this isn't my story. This is not how my life is supposed to go. And now it's like, this is my story. Yeah. And it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like um, those wounds have turned into scars that now you're not afraid to show off no it's like battle wounds where you're almost like bragging like look at this one and look at what god did yeah (laughs) i got this from my bunk beds when i was six and i got this from the playground when i (laughs) that's right they're better battle scars you kind of get to brag about not because you did anything about it but boast in him yeah that's what he says right if you want to boast in anything boast in me boast in my grace boast in my forgiveness yeah it feels a lot better than yeah boasting in yourself for sure yeah Well, you are amazing, and um, (laughs) I really am just so grateful for your heart and your willingness to share a piece of your story today. I'm grateful that the timing of everything, we were exactly where we needed to be when the bottom fell out, and man, and that's what we needed, and that's what God had designed the whole time. 
Yep, he goes before us and paves the way. Well, like Casey said, this is God's story, and the summary pretty much goes like this. God created the world, and we messed it up. But he sent his son Jesus to do the dirty work for us so that we could experience life, not just temporary life, but everlasting life. From creation until really the end of time, this is his redemption story. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So honestly, I don't care what you've done or where you've been. You are never too far or too bad for God's grace and forgiveness. If you have something that you do have to confess, just get it out there. Don't let it sit like poison in your soul. Even if there's not something big, we all have something small that we need to turn over to Him. And then let's all just turn to God and move forward. God gives us His Holy Spirit so we can keep in step with Him and have a real relationship with Him and tell about His goodness along the way. Well, I know this was heavy today, but it was good powerful stuff. So thank you again to Brandon and Casey for letting us in on your journey. I am going to put the link to the Life Church message and to Brandon's video we referenced in the conversation notes for this post. If you are interested in hearing past episodes, you can find those at jenjewel.com or at the Messy Table Podcast on iTunes. The great thing about iTunes is you can hit the little subscribe button once, and then after that, they just come straight to your phone. That's what I do, and then I can listen to my favorite podcast while I'm working out or running carpool or folding laundry. It's great. So, well, as always, thank you for joining me at the messy table. It's an honor I don't take for granted, and I hope you have a fabulous week.